Hey, security peeps. We are back with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity 2.0, the Leadership Edition. And I am Renee Brown-Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome security people get into wonderful opportunities and helping people who are like Bernard, our guest today, help people hire great talent. So I'm excited to have Bernard here with us. Hi, Bernard. Hello, Renee. It's very good to be here. Thank you so much for being here with us. And Bernard is a CIO. He's the VP of operations. He hires security leaders all the time. And so I wanted to have him come on and talk to us about what he looks for in talent, how leaders, how security um, individual contributors become security leaders, and all the things that he can share with us about what leadership, what executives look for when it comes to security. So Bernard, jump right in. Sure. Um, So I've been CIO now for somewhere around a decade. So this is my third CIO position and fourth C-level position. So it's been a mix of public and private sector. Before I joined Ironbow, where I am now, I was CIO for Prince George's County, the second largest county in Maryland for six and a half years. After that, I was CIO for the Washington Suburban Sanitary Commission, which is now WSSC Water. And that services Montgomery County, and Prince George's County, the two largest counties in Maryland. I was there for two and a half years. And moving a little further back in my experience, I was also CTO for EDS, which was acquired by uh, HP back, uh, I think that was back in 2008 or so. And across all of those roles, security really has been a very big part of everything that we do. And I would say that um, security really has evolved a bit. Uh, So where security used to operate off on its own, now security has become very closely intertwined with networking, which means that you have to have a little bit of expertise in both areas now where that wasn't the case before. So I know we'll talk a bit about the characteristics of a security professional that I'd be looking for and also what it takes in order to be successful. So just looking forward to the conversation. Fantastic. And I know that sometimes people, um, you know, one of the questions that we give very often when people get into the industry, they talk about pivoting. They talk about, um, you know, they started in one area of security and they want to move to another area and they ask if they should or if they should stay only in one one um, track. When you're looking at leadership and when you're looking to hire people, do you look at people from that have like diverse backgrounds in security, diverse backgrounds in IT, or even diverse backgrounds in other areas before coming into this industry? So I'm looking for people who are more diverse. Uh, specialists tend to get pigeonholed and don't really want to move into another area. And the reason I do look for people who have a diverse background is because I have a diverse background myself, and that really has served me well. So uh, moving even further back in my career, I used to be a developer. I was a web and app, a web applications developer working in Cold Fusion, eventually moved into uh, .NET and did some Oracle and SQL database administration as well, worked in graphics. So I did a number of different things across IT. And later on, I ended up moving into project management as well. And that's probably where my career took the biggest leap forward. And as a result of working across those areas, I really do see the relationships in IT. So a couple of the things that I haven't done before, I didn't do a lot of networking, I didn't do a lot of hands-on security, but I know enough in those areas to be dangerous. But with security professionals, I think that it is very helpful for them to be able to know a little bit about the different areas of IT and security specifically. So 
you take a look at things like CCPA, GDPR, HIPAA. These are things that come up over time. So you have to have someone who is not so locked into what they do that they are resistant to taking on additional responsibilities. So I am looking for someone who is willing to go into new areas of security and willing to get their hands dirty in different areas of IT as well. And I think those are the people that are most successful. That's awesome. And what I, I love to hear people who have backgrounds in different areas um, because you know, we see it, I see it from, you know, a person doing the recruiting and a person in HR and a person who actually has been in HR and moved into security and then went back into HR. Um, so having the diversity of expertise and experience makes you a more well-rounded leader. Um, so I've, I'm, I'm excited to hear you talk about some of that as well. So there's some comments that come through that we, we stream to, to LinkedIn and we stream to um, YouTube. So comments do tend to come in. Um, so I am going to uh, post some of them if they if they are up here and they make sense. I see something, someone, Gordon is saying, they detect the signal, decrypt it, and then read it. Um, conflicts arrive when you need an emulator in order to convert any hardware. Oh, okay. Um, so let's talk about when a person is when you're looking to, so different levels, right? So you're, you're the person that is hiring a CISO um, or a director of security. Um, we, we know that there's technical skills that, that are involved. And, you know, you talked about coming up through the developer rank and having all these different roles. Um, when you're looking for security leaders in terms of, you know, outside of the technical aspect, what do you look for? What kind of characteristics do you look for when you're bringing in a leader? So if I were looking at soft skills, I'd like to have someone who really talks well with the business. And in the past, what I've seen is that sometimes security leaders talk in very cryptic terms that no one understands, and they pride themselves on knowing about uh, SOX and uh, FISMA and all of these things that people really are not as familiar with, ISO 27000 being another example. And they'll throw clauses out and, you know, just assume that people know what they're talking about. But what I'd like to really have is someone who can really uh, decrypt that language and make it so that everyone can understand across the business, the least technical person. So that is very important to me. Second thing is to make sure the person is likable. Personality is a very big deal. Uh, so this is not just for security, but across the board. I think the people who are most successful in IT are the people that really do have the ability to understand what the business is looking for and to understand the impacts of making certain decisions. The same holds true for security as well. Just want to make sure that as we do make uh, as we do make decisions about closing vulnerabilities and moving forward and improving our security posture, we think about the impact on the business. Of course, we do want to make sure that we are secure at the end of the day, but we also want to make sure that the decisions we're making don't have an adverse impact on business. So that really is what I'm looking for, people that can understand the impacts of decisions that are being made. I'm so glad that you talked about this point because it comes up so often that, you know, security professionals don't fully, some, some not all, some security professionals do, you know, talk in the language. I, I talk about my own experiences where coming in from a recruiting standpoint, not understanding it all looking like Greek, <laughs> not fully understanding 
what anything, what things meant when uh, a security leader would come or, or manager would come and ask for a certain set of skills, expertise, certifications, so many different things. And one of the things that I would hear consistently is one of the points that you made around the communication skills, really fully understanding the business um, and how to translate over why security is doing what it's doing, why the, the team and the group is there. Um, and I, I had a colleague on last week that talked about a lot of the times in organizations, security may be looked at as, you know, the, the, the no folks <laughs> and the police, like we can't know, we can't, you know, we can't release your application, it's not secure. And the point that he made was that you want to, security is there to enable the business. You want, you want to, whatever applications, whatever is going out, you want to make sure it's secure. You know, at the end of the day, it's a risk um, function to make sure that the, you know there's not a, a ton of risk with releasing this thing. So it's, it's to make where security professionals are there to make things easier. So that communication piece is so important, and I'm glad that you highlighted that. And another reason it's important to make sure that you do communicate well is a lot of times security is underfunded, and that's not just from a security tool perspective, but it's also in terms of personnel. That means that you have to leverage different parts of the business in order to complete the mission. So in order for you to be able to do that, you have to be likable. That goes back to what I said before. You really have to convince people to get on board and to do things that you're going to need them to do. So that's another reason those characteristics are important. I really like the likable part because I don't think people talk about that enough. Um, I'm reading this book right now from, from Brian Tracy, and he talks about the number one skill um, one of the number one skill in sales and, and things overall is the likability factor. And it's, it's so interesting. And I'm glad that you brought that up because who wants to work with somebody who's an annoying, you know, <laughs> no, nobody wants to, nobody wants to interact with anybody like that. You come, a person shows up, you're like, Oh, you know, why is this person here? And so highlighting that fact, you know, is so, I think is so very important because people may feel, oh, I know what I'm doing and I have this expertise and, you know, listen to me or else, and they don't have to. That's very true. And not just for security people, but I've found that uh, the people I tend to do business with as CIO are the people that I like. And people need to understand it's not just about being the smartest person in the room. It's a matter of being able to build a coalition and get people to move in the direction you want them to. And I also want to highlight that fact. I want to dig into the part where you talk about secure, the security departments being underfunded, because I think that is such um such an issue or such an area that people don't fully understand, especially the folks kind of coming up in the field. Um, they may not fully see and understand that the funding isn't there or the budget is limited. Two questions that they tend to ask about that is like, why? Um, and then, well, you know, why, why is it underfunded? And then secondly, what are some of the things that they, you, you talked about champions in other areas. So can you dig in a little bit more on that so that these people understand kind of why they need to partner with other areas to get people on board to help them move forward their program? I'd say one of the biggest reasons security is underfunded is because we tend to want to invest in things that we can see. So security is one of those things that you just assume is happening behind the scenes, 
and you really don't see any tangible outcomes as a result of investing in security because nothing happens. So security tends to become more important when you have a breach or when something occurs that people can see and then people want to react quickly. But in order for you to be proactive, you really have to lay out a business case. And I'll give the example of um, back in the day when we had phones that where you picked up and you had a dial tone. There was a lot of investment that went into making sure that dial tone was there when you picked it up and people just assumed that it was going to work. Security is the same way. A lot of investment has to go into making sure that there are no breaches, that vulnerabilities are mitigated and people have to understand that. But it really goes back to the soft skills that I was talking about before, where you have to tell a story and make sure that you get people on board and understanding why more investment needs to be put into security, which leads into your second question about building partners across the business. So that's going to be the CFO. It's going to be the CIO. It's going to be people who use the applications that you're supporting. So you have to make sure that they understand the impacts of not investing and also make sure that they're champions for your cause as well. So it's really about managing up and managing across. So if I'm a security leader and I'm coming to you saying, Bernard, I need this money or we need this, you know, we need to do this thing. I need to be able to um, effectively explain why, convince you and then partner with you or you may, may tell me, go out to the business line and convince these other folks as to the reason why we need this. Yes, and it really goes to making sure that you understand what the business does. So you have to make sure that you communicate to people what the impact is going to be for their area so that they care. Um, so number one, you really have to make sure that you get into the various functions across the business, speak with business units and let them know that if we don't do if we don't invest in this, this is going to occur. So there's that. And then also, like I said before, you have to be able to put all of the pieces together and tell a story about why that investment is needed across the board. Right. We're having some great comments start to come in. So Sarah Moffitt, who uh, joins us often she writes, and she's a chief learning officer. She talks about the partnership with the chief learning officer is critical and one that many cyber leaders totally forget about. I totally agree with that. And that's a great comment. So uh, end user security awareness is also an important part of any security leader's job, uh, making sure that there is an extension of security professionals across the board, people that don't identify themselves as security leaders, but are champions for your cause as well. A lot of the vulnerabilities that are created are by insiders, um, not maliciously, but just innocent things that they might do, clicking on a link, opening an attachment. So just making sure that they understand what the impact is of taking certain actions. But that's an ongoing exercise, not a point in time exercise. We shouldn't just do it during uh, Cybersecurity Awareness Month in, in October. We should make sure that it's happening on an ongoing basis so that security is always top of mind. That's such a good point. Um Chris Roberts, I don't know if you know him well, but he talks yeah. about he 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 gives his he gives a year long security awareness schedule so that, you know, December, it's about going shopping in the holidays in January. It's about the new year and what have you. But it's all tied. It's year long. It is never a one stop, you know, OK, we did security awareness, like you said, in October. Um, and he talks about that. So he talks about it consistently, the communication and how security awareness being a year long thing. So Sarah says, if you're not actively partnering with leader, learning officers and leaders to build the skills you're talking about, 
meaning communications and technical skills, then you're going to continue to struggle with achieving strategic obje- objectives. And she's telling that to the security leaders and the, the folks who are trying to be security leaders. Yeah, I agree with that comment as well. And that's important, not just for security officers, but uh, to make sure that the CIO and other IT managers are focused on that. Another example of areas that need to be focused on is project management, because you're all, you're always going to have a plan for what you're going to roll out over the next year, which means that there are certain things that have to occur in order for you to make sure you're hitting milestones. So making sure your IT staff is able to build a project plan and to manage to a schedule. Um, there are lots of different things that we don't think of uh, when with IT people and for business people. So it is very important to make sure that you're focused on those skills that go beyond technical skills that are apparent for the position that you hold. Right. Buddy says, and, and to your point with the project management side, a lot of people who we get this, this comes to me very often, people who are, who are PMs and they want to transition into security and they ask, like, you know, what's the what's the what's the easiest way, or or how can they do that? How can they transition their PM skills? And I tell them that you know you're already in it. But if you could elaborate a little bit on, as a you know as a CIO with that thousand foot view looking down, you know, if a PM is in your organization and wants to move into security, how would you? What would be your recommendation for them? You know, moving into that space. Sure. So in the past, what I've done is I've tried to make sure I had programs in place where people were able to go over and cross train in different areas of IT if they were interested. So examples of that would be someone who worked in the help desk. Help desk tends to be a high turnover area. People are always looking to move up and to move into different areas of the department. So what I would do is set aside maybe two hours a week where they could go and work with the security team if that if that's what they were interested in or move over to the networking team and do the same. So that is very important. You do want to give people the opportunity to grow. So you have to formalize a program like that to make sure that it doesn't have an impact on what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. I would think that your team members probably stay with you a long time because I see that the awesome, the wonderful leaders like you <laughs> do that kind of stuff. Everybody does not. Everybody does not give their team a chance to cross train and grow and move into other areas. And you talk about help desk. Oh, my goodness. Like so many people in security have come out of the help desk um, and have learned so much from being in the help desk and being able to kind of move into other areas. So. Well, I'd say this, uh, motivation and morale for team members has to be top of mind. It has to be something that you think about. You have to have deliberate programs in place to make sure that it is a good place to work. So I do different things to make sure that I am keeping people motivated. And it is very difficult because IT is a tough job you know, for everyone, not just security, but across the board. It's a lot of long hours. It's uh, unexpected events. But you have to make sure that you are focused on different things that are going to keep people happy. So something I've done uh, and I'm doing right now is uh, identifying employee of the month. And for employee of the month, that's just someone who went above and beyond and they're recognized by their peers and nominated for that award. So they get a hundred dollar Amazon gift card, you know, and everyone is using Amazon right now. So that's a part of the motivation. But in addition to that, we give them a day off, Um, you know, so it's just a Friday where they could, you know, without having to use their leave, take off and enjoy themselves. So it's important to make sure that you're encouraging balance, 
that you're getting to know them on a fundamental level and finding creative ways to keep them motivated. So even beyond just the learning and all of those other things that are important for making sure that people are moving into other areas, it's making sure that when you do have people where they need to be and where they're going to be most successful, they're enjoying that position as well. That's awesome. You you make me want to you got any uh, opportunities open over there? Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're always hiring. Yeah, so we do have positions open. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. No, you're definitely the type of leader that I would be looking to work for. And, you know, people have people have expressed this over and over again. People don't work for jobs. They work for leaders. You know, they work for other people. Um, so having those retention strategies in, in place is so key. Um, and giving people opportunities and understanding that it's a stressful time. And like you said, in IT and in security, um, especially now in the middle of COVID-19, is such a huge um, area. You know, was reading last week about the uptick in IT talent, how many how many more positions opposed to 28% overall. Um, so just a, a huge, huge opportunity um, to retain talent and to bring other people in. So Buddy says, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I think right now, because of what we're seeing with people working remote, uh, good leaders are being separated from bad leaders. And what I mean by that is it's very easy to focus on culture when everyone is in the office. You can put donuts in the break room and check the box. You know, we're, we're focused on making sure this is a good place to work. But when people are remote, you have to be more creative with making sure that you spread the culture that you're looking for. And I think unless it's top of mind, unless you're focused on it, unless you have strategies in place, you really are not going to be successful. It's not something that is just as simple as, like I said, putting donuts in the break room. You have to find something else to make sure that people who are in their homes are still thinking it's a good place to work. That's such a good point. So Buddy has a couple questions here, um, comments. He says, put, for, put effort into building rapport and becoming a resource for your colleagues to achieve their goals. They will align their goals with yours and be more engaged. So yeah. security professionals to do. Yeah, that's very true. And a big part of that is making sure that you do have a roadmap out that people understand what it is that you're focused on. So that's the main thing, just making sure you communicate what your goals and objectives are and communicate with others how they can help to positively uh, impact not just your mission, but how you can impact theirs as well. So that's where I think building rapport is going to be important. Number one, understanding everyone, understanding what you're focused on, but understanding what they're focused on as well and knowing where those common themes are. And then Buddy wants to know, Renee and Bernard, what are some of the ways you teach others to develop competencies? Well, what I like to do is to make sure that, number one, we are communicating what our strategy is for the IT department. And down to a person, I want to make sure that they're clear on what the expectations are for helping to meet that overall mission for the department and for the company as well. So where we identify there are some gaps and competencies, I'll give training. So I gave the example earlier of project management. ITIL is another good one. If, you're, if you want to align with ITIL, you have to make sure that everyone understands what the standard is. So where we identify there are gaps, we make sure that we give training for people to be able to build up. That's great. And he also talks about uh, competencies in communication and security awareness. So, so uh, communication is a tougher one uh, because everyone communicates in different ways. Some people are better in uh, writing. Others are they don't mind getting up and speaking. 
but I try to make sure that I am encouraging people to be aware of what uh, their deficiencies are, and I encourage them to address those areas. So a good example of that is I do have a team member who said that she doesn't like to get up and, you know, she doesn't like public speaking. So I told her that's the area you probably need to do the most. So where you identify those blind spots or areas where you might want to strengthen a bit, that's probably the thing that you need to work on the most. So I try to make sure those opportunities are there in a smaller setting, maybe with just their team, then maybe the department. And eventually, you know, maybe you want to give a presentation to the company. But that is something that people have to be aware of, number one, that it's an area they need to focus on. And then for me as a leader, it's a matter of giving them an opportunity to do so. Maybe we could bring her on a podcast. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Tell her it feels so intimate. It's not like thousands of people are are watching. That's right. typically are, but it feels so intimate. It feels like it's just us. Yep. Um, so, and for security awareness, the second part of the question, it really is a part of end user security, um, the, the training that I talked about before. So just making sure that people understand what our security methodology is and what their part is and making sure that we are secure and making sure that there are periodic reminders about what it is that we're looking to accomplish. And of course, the best way to know that people are picking it up is through assessments, quizzes, uh, you know, making presentations and just making sure that you harp on it over and over again so that security is native to the way that you're operating. Awesome. So some of your fans are here. Melvin Greer. <laughs> it's a big Benar fa- fan. Yeah. yeah, Melvin is the man. <laughs> he, he's my hero. <laughs> Melvin might have to come on next then. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Melvin's incredible. <laughs> we'll he really there. is. I wanted to ask about partnering with the CFO, because that's an area that I think that um, I'm, I'm trying to get more CFOs on him. Maybe maybe your CFO might come on. We're bringing on uh, CFOs to talk about what budgets look like and from a security perspective, especially the security folks that are looking to be leaders, really understanding like, you know, what that means when it comes to budgets, just overall, because that seems to come up quite often. Um, and I And I don't think that security as many security people are as focused on it as, as they should be. I think it's an area that we can, you know, raise some awareness. So when you're partnering and working with um, the CFO for, you know, the budget and what, what needs to happen, um, what, are, what are some of the things that, you know, security professionals can do or leaders as a whole, IT leaders as a whole can do um, to make your life easier, that partnership easier? Like, how does that work? So I don't think that anyone in IT is going to be successful without having a strong relationship with finance and accounting. And for me as CIO, having a strong relationship with the CFO. So in the past, I've uh, developed some strategies that have worked very well for me. So I'll go back to when I was CIO for Prince George's County. So Prince George's County, we were always operating in a budget deficit. And every year, it was an exercise to make sure that our budget didn't go down. So in the six years that I was there, I'm proud to say that our budget never got cut. And some years it even went up significantly. And the way that I did that is, number one, by communicating what our strategy was for the year, the projects that we wanted to focus on. And I also priced down to the unit how much each service cost in order to uh, continue moving forward. So an example would be for the service desk, if we right now are operating 24 hours a day, if we're cut by a certain dollar amount, 
then maybe we go Monday through Friday, seven to seven. If you cut it even further, maybe we go nine to five. If you don't want that to happen, then we need to keep that funding right where it is. So I try to encourage um, anyone who I'm working with, the security team, um, just across the board to make sure that they're pricing down to the unit how much it costs in order for us to stay where we are. That means that if there are cuts, you can say that this is going to be the impact. And that's a great way to be able to get your point across. But in addition to that, there are always things that the business is looking to do, you know, new innovations, new technologies. So here's the cost for those things as well. So in addition to just keeping the lights on, that's what, you know, so every year we know that there is going to be a certain increase because licenses are going to go up. Uh, we're going to have to purchase additional storage because the business is just growing in terms of what we're putting into storage. So we know that there is going to be a certain amount of increase. But if you want to put those new technologies, if you want to move forward with these initiatives, it's going to be this much on top of uh, what we're already spending. So number one, you do have to understand what those costs are. But number two, you have to make sure that you're pricing effectively the new things that you're going to do. I also like how you said that um, you, you share with the service desk, like, okay, if you want, if you want 24 seven, it costs this. If you want to cut that, it'll cost, it'll, you know, will cost that. And I think showing that, that potential pain point of not having, you know, the service desk available when you need your laptop at 7 PM or what have you really kind of drives home. It goes back to that communication style and communication skills saying, these are the various options. If you don't want this to happen, then, Right. This is what we have. So it means that you do have to have a full command of your service catalog. You have to know all of the services that you offer. You have to know what your SLAs are, but you also have to know the cost for everything that's a part of your service catalog. So right. just for us to continue operating the way that we are today, here's the baseline. And that really is an exercise that takes a lot of time away from everyone else's jobs, but it is very important for you to be able to quantify exactly how much it it costs for you to do just where you are today. And of course, we know that people always want IT to do more. So you have to be able to communicate how much more money it's going to cost in order for those things to happen. And that really is what CFOs are looking for. They really are looking to make sure that you have a full command of what you're spending um, and that there is no waste. So that's an exercise that is necessary and not a point in time exercise. It's an ongoing exercise. Right. Danielle says, I like to give CFOs prior prioritization and what vulnerabilities are most important. Yes. So for us, we do that on a weekly basis. So we have a risk management framework and we take a look at vulnerabilities across the network, across everything that we're supporting, and we give ourselves a score. And that's a report that does go to the CFO, it goes to the CEO, it goes to the chief operating officer as well. But that's something we're measuring on an ongoing basis. And we make sure that it's clear that, okay, this thing is going to cost this much more um, in order for us to be able to support it. And we make a strong case for being able to uh, fund it on an ongoing, ongoing basis. So that's a very good point. I do want to make sure that on an ongoing basis, people are clear on what our priorities are, not just for security, but across the board. Right. So um, Buddy says, again, great emphasis on building relationships with other teams. We're all in this together. Yes, we are, Buddy. Melvin, your buddy, says, ask Venara to describe the future of cyber. What's coming next? 
So I think that what's coming next is really um, you take a look at the amount of devices that we have to support now. We, you know, especially with everyone being remote, the IoT devices, cloud hosting really expands your boundaries, uh, which means that I talked before about security being underfunded. And the only way that you can scale effectively is to deploy artificial intelligence. Uh, so Melvin is a, he is a, a great proponent of artificial intelligence. Another reason you should have him on. But I think that artificial intelligence is going to play, play a big part in that because of the amount of data being generated by all of those different devices that are being supported remotely, but also by moving your boundaries into the cloud. So the only way you can scale without having to add resources internally is to make sure that there is machine learning to make sense of all of that data coming back, um, that you're sifting through repositories to make sure there are no threats. Um, we talk about security incident, event management. Uh, there are so many different things that are happening across the board. There is no way that you can have a team that can take a look at all of those events. So there has to be some level of artificial intelligence that's taking a look to say that, okay, this incident here, this event is something you want to pay attention to. So I think that artif artificial in intelligence really is going to play a very big part in cybersecurity uh, moving forward. And the people that do it effectively are going to be the ones that are most successful. I totally see that happening. Um, and I, I definitely am going to talk to Melvin about coming on talking about that. Um, you talked there, we're at the 32 minute mark and I, I mean, you're a CIO, you have things to do. So I wanted to ask you one, one more question. If we don't get any other questions here, um, you have experience in so many different sectors. You have public sector, you have, um, you know, PG Prince George's County, um, your current organization. What do you see as the differences? What were what were the major differences between public and private in your role and that you see for security professionals in their roles? So I would say the biggest difference is going to be the pace of change. So the public sector is very slow to move. I mean, it was excruciating at times, just the red tape that I had to endure to make a decision and to get things done. But um, I would say the private sector is the expectations are tied to revenue. So it's always about outcomes. You want to make sure that certain decisions are going to lead to more positive outcomes, whereas in the public sector, it really is tied to constituent delivery, uh, making sure that you're focused on, for example, with the water company, you're focused on what's going to help rate payers, people that are paying for your service, and in the county, making sure that you are focused on what's going to have a positive outcome for county residents. And where I am now, it is more focused on how we can go out and sell more of whatever it is that we're doing. Um, but I would say that in addition to that, it really is making sure that you're um, focused on who your stakeholders are um, at a senior level. So with the public sector, it was county council. It was our uh, board of uh, directors. With the private sector, it's our board that really governs how much money we're bringing into the company. So they're focused on different things. And I would say that that really does drive how you operate and how quickly you operate. So those are probably the biggest differences. Beyond that, IT is IT. You're going to have the same things that you have to focus on. You have to keep the lights on with the data center. You have to make sure that you're secure. You have to make sure desktops are doing what they're supposed to. And uh, if you do that well, you're okay. 
Okay, cool. So I have to tell everyone how I, I uh, connected with Bernard is last week he put out a post and it literally went viral. How many thousands? I think it, when I saw it, it had 50, 60,000 likes or views or yeah, it's um yeah, I know it's over 150,000 views now. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and I heard yesterday uh it's even uh, been posted on Facebook and it's being spread on Facebook as well and I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> He's a celebrity. So, <laughs> Bernard, when I saw when I saw this post, I just laughed out loud because it's so I think it's just all of us right now during the stop. So, Bernard Absolutely had on, it is. He had on a blazer and a tie. And he had his shorts on and his socks and slippers. And he's like, isn't this what we're all doing right now? And it made me laugh out loud. I was like, this, this is the uniform. <laughs> like, this yes, is it is. So I the told white him, socks. I told him I was going to make him stand up. <laughs> so oh, I'm, I'm more than happy right to. <laughs> I don't know if you can see the shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so, so much for being here. We really appreciate it. You know, this Breaking into Cyber 2.0, we started this um, program recently because so many of the, the folks that have been watching our Breaking into Cybersecurity um, podcast and live stream have actually grown in their careers since we started this about two years ago. So people who want to be leaders and want to grow and want to, you know, kind of get up that ladder, we definitely want to speak to more CIOs and CTOs like you and C-suite executives really tell folks, hey, this is what I look for in leaders. So I really, really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you for doing that, Renee. And the last bit of advice I would give to anyone in IT and security professionals in particular is to really be flexible because you don't know where you're going to be in a couple of years. Um, so for me, if I tried to predict what it was going to take in order for me to get to CIO, um, I would have been way off. So it, it's just a matter of being flexible and being able to take on new responsibilities as they emerge and being a trusted partner with the business. So for security professionals, it's not just focusing on security. It really is making sure that you understand the mission across the board and how you can help to move the ball forward. You hear that, folks? Not just security, understanding the business and how to get the mission forward. Thank you so much, Bernard. I hope you come back and give us more. Absolutely. Soon. Um, everyone else, we will see you next time on Breaking into Cybersecurity 2.0, the leadership series. Thank you so much. Thank Follow you for having me, Renee. Absolutely. Have a great day.